Canaanite woman. And she had also understood how Abraham had gone out. Uh, she understands and knows the, the, the story of Abraham's fame is, is, has been spread. It's, a, it's, not, it's not local. I mean, it's, it's almost a global thing according to what the word of the Lord would have Abraham to be, a blessing to all of the families of the earth. It's a global thing. It's, it, there's a lot of reputation that precedes the servant from getting there. Abraham had gone out. God had been with him. God had made Abraham great. But also in the midst of all of the blessing and the promise that could await this wife of Isaac, there were some requirements. There were some vows. Uh, there were some distinctions and some lifestyle requirements that would not be able to be breached. She's getting ready to go from where she is into something very special. But it's not just the promises. It's not just all of the things that, that, that the servant's talking about, the blessing of Abraham, but there are some prerequisites to coming into this covenant with Isaac. What a breathtaking moment that had to have been for Rebecca. Now, for our society... It's lost on our society. I can't stay here very long. But the sanctity of marriage and the blessing that God really has in that covenant is lost on society. It's lost on society. And I don't have to go there. Uh, but we're countercultural. We're counterculture. We don't conform to the society and what's going on in the world. We want to be transformed into the will, into the mind of the Lord, and, and do this thing the way the Lord said there's a blessing in it. In our society, it's lost, but oh, what a breathtaking thing, you know. Yeah, every once in a while, our society gets it right, and we have this breathtaking uh, proposal that happens and sweeps her off of her feet and all of those other things. And, but if you've been married very long, you understand. It's not all the blessings and, hey, this is what I bring into the table. There's some, there's some challenges in that covenant as well. What a breathtaking moment it had to be for her. The mystery, the intrigue, the unknown, the commitment that was going to be upon her, the forsaking all others to be his bride. And that is still something that is required today. He that has ears to hear, let him hear what the question of the Spirit would be today, asking every lady in this building, will you go with this man? I'm not talking about your husband. Will you commit? To the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you go with this man? And she says, I'm going to go. In another area of our text, so she, she says, I'm going to go, and she leaves her land. She ends up having, having two sons, two nations in her womb. And uh, she begins to develop a favor for Jacob. Why did she favor him and not Esau? Uh, you know, I don't think it was because Jacob was a plain man dwelling in tents. I don't think it was because he was a mama's boy. And uh, Esau's the outdoors guy. He's the daddy's boy. I don't think that's why she favored him. I don't think that's why she loved him. I would submit to us today that she saw the value systems that were being developed in both Jacob and Esau. She saw both of them going about their life and she saw the value systems that they both were developing. You had one 
who undoubtedly had questions about a birthright. You had one who never seemed to give it a thought. You had one who was always bringing it up. You had one that never dreamed about it. Yet another that never could stop pining about it. I think the real reason was exactly what she focused on. And it really became a part of the story, and that was the birthright. What she really focused on was the birthright. Rebecca understood the value of the birthright. Please hear me, moms. In this story, Rebecca is heard three times. Three times in Scripture she's heard. The first time that she is heard is when she was watering the camels, and the family asked, are you willing to go with this man? Are you willing to fulfill the vow? Are you willing to become the wife of someone you've never physically met yet? Are you willing to go? And she says, I will go. Mom, let me tell you, the greatest decision you will ever make for your family, the greatest decision you will ever make for your children is if you will make the decision, I will go with Christ. I will follow Jesus Christ. Moms, there's not a single greatest thing that you can do greater than saying, I will go with Christ. The next time her voice is heard, and this is some controversy I know in Scripture, it's at the time of the birthright. She instructs Jacob. Jacob's saying, if I, if I, if I, I'm a smooth man and Esau's a hairy man. If I go in and try to get this blessing, even though Esau sold it to me for a bowl of soup, if I go in and try to get it and my father touches me, he's going to know, wait a minute, these are, uh, that, that you're, not, you're not Esau. And he said, you're going to bring a curse upon me. The next time her voice is heard, here is what she's saying. Son, don't worry about any of that stuff. Don't worry about what, don't worry about what the negative, don't worry about that stuff. Here's what she's saying. Jacob, you go get that birthright. Listen, mom and dad. Listen, mothers. The best thing you can do is say, I will go with Jesus Christ. And the next best thing you can do is encourage your children that no matter what is on the horizon, no matter what challenges it may pose, no matter what might be between you and it, it's when you tell your children, mom, you tell your boy, you tell your daughter, go after that birthright, son. Go after that birthright, daughter. Go after it. It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter the consequences. It doesn't matter the circumstances go after the birthright I don't think I have to tell you there is going to be such a dividing line there's going to be such a dividing line in the last hours of the church being on this thing if we think that we're going to be like the world and do it like the world and all of a sudden be translated out of here I am sorry but we've been deceived We've been deceived. I want to encourage every one of our mothers in this place. You be the, you be the mother that the Bible wants you to be. We need, I want to encourage every one of our mothers. I want to strengthen you in the name of Jesus Christ. Be the mother that the Bible wants us to be. Not the mother that society wants us to be. You know, we... Uh, We have become so much, we, 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 we become so much 
placated to as consumers in America that we are waiting for God to placate to us, waiting for God to do something special to sell his product to us. When in actuality, God's just waiting for someone to just believe that the product is as great as he said it was from the very beginning. The Bible doesn't need a salesperson. And I want to tell everybody, God doesn't need a salesperson either. He don't need a sales rep. There's nobody like him. But you will never know that just by reading the book. You'll never know that just by belonging to a church. You will know that when you say, I'm going with this man. Wherever he goes, I'm going. Whatever he whispers to me to do, that's what I'm doing. So mom, her voice was first heard saying, I'll go with this man. And the next time her voice was heard, she was telling Jacob, you go after that birthright. Mom, be a mother of the birthright. I'm not going to be long today. I'm almost, I'm almost there. But be a mother of the birthright. Be someone who values the birthright. Be someone who looks to see that your children value the birthright. And then the third time her voice is heard is when Esau has married, has marred the inheritance of the promised seed when she goes and takes a wife of the daughters of that land, something that was, should not have been done. Esau goes out and takes a wife of the daughters of Canaan, a wife of the Hittites, as it were. And here is what she said. She said, Esau's already gone out and taken him a wife. She said, if Jacob takes a wife of the daughters like, her, like his brother has, then what good shall my life do me? She said, I will go with Jesus Christ. I'll follow this man. Son, go after that birthright. Don't worry about no curses. Don't worry about no, don't worry about no circumstances. Son, go after that birthright. And then she says, if all my children go and mar the inheritance, what good has my life been as a mother? You see, in society, there's a whole lot of things that can say, well, this makes you a good mom. Please hear me today. Please hear me today. All that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father. There's not one degree out in that world that will make you of any more value to the kingdom. There's not a million dollars out there that you can make that will make you of any more value to the kingdom. It's all the Lord's anyway. He can see to it. The Bible said very clearly, he gives us the power to make and earn wealth. There is not one social status. There's not one social status out there, mom, that will help your child become greater in the kingdom of God. To become greatest in the kingdom of God, there's got to be a commitment, three commitments. Number one, I'm going after Jesus Christ. I'm going to follow him. And number two, I'm going after the birthright. I'm going after everything that God said I could have, everything that is in Christ Jesus. And the third commitment, Mom, is you've got to put in our life and put in your children's life. Don't mar the birthright. Don't mix it with the things of the world. Stay away from the stuff that you should stay away from. I cannot help. I have not felt 
in the last few weeks, the resistance of the enemy that I've been, that I've been feeling. He is trying to keep you trapped. He's trying to keep you bound. But thus saith the word of the Lord, the only way out of your captivity is faith in Jesus Christ. The only way you're gonna get out of it is do it God's way. The only way the blessing's gonna come is you gotta do it God's way. And I'm here. God gives us space to repent. He gives us space to change it. Now there's circumstances we're gonna have to deal with. But I am pleading with our mothers today. The Lord is pleading with our mothers today. If our children go away, if our children, if we just reject it, now a child's got to go his own way. But she made a very strong statement here because her statement brings the focus to the purity of the covenant. She was a woman who understood what it was to sacrifice all. And I know that there are some great mothers who've lived faithfully to the Lord and they put it in their children. We're following Jesus. Don't mar that with your inheritance and go after the birthright and you put everything that you can in them. And they sometimes, we just seem to go our own way. Some are prodigals just simply away from the Lord. Some are lost coins that if we'll clean up our house, we'll find the coin. Some are lost sheep that just need to know that there's a way back home. Summer prodigals. We did everything that we could, but what if we haven't? What if we have sown into our children? Ah, that birthright thing, it's not all that's cracked up to be. And, and uh, we'll kind of haphazardly follow Jesus. Do you know that uh, when I grew up, it was a priority to come to church? As a matter of fact, it was, it was non-negotiable. I remember that. It was non-negotiable. It was non-negotiable. You know, if we raise a generation where it's an option to come to church, it's not very long before they won't come. If we give them an option to follow Jesus, it won't be long before they won't follow Jesus. I want to tell you, when it comes to eternal life, there is no option. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Now, here's what rises. Now, here's what Satan rises up in us. I can do it my own way. Who are you to tell me? I'm nobody to tell you, but God is God to tell us. I'm just a pastor that just sounds the trumpet. I'm not the, I don't, I'm not the judge and the jury. I don't make the final verdict, but I can give an assessment. I can give some assessments and say, hey, listen, a little too close to the edge of the fence. Come on back here to greener pastures. Come on back over here beside some still waters. Let's get over here where the Lord can prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. She understood the value of the birthright. You see, Christ's bride is the church. The Bible says it's the mother of us all, according to Galatians, and the church values the birthright. Oh, you want to know where you ought to be? when the ch- You know what the church is? It's really a gathering of the called out ones. That's what it means. Gathering of the called out ones. Any called out ones in the building today? And you know what we've done? We've gathered together. You want to know where you ought to make sure you're gathering? Make sure you stay in a place where it values the birthright where it values the birthright, how God has laid it out. That's the place I want to gather together. That's the people I want to be around, whether it's 110, whether it's 150, or whether it's 12 sitting over or six sitting over a dinner table. That's the people I want to be gathered around. That's the, that's the, that's the place I want to call the church. Matthew 6 and 18, thou art Christ, the son of the living God. The mighty God of Christ is part of the birthright. Upon this rock I'll build my church is a part of the birthright. Acts 2, Acts 10, Acts 19. Have you received the Holy Spirit? 
how were you baptized? All of those are birthright issues. Because in the body of Christ, we are born of water and of spirit. We don't mix the birthright with the world's idea of God. All roads do not lead to heaven. There's only one road that leads to heaven. We don't mind being mocked, Mom. I'm going to tell Mom, listen, I don't mind being mocked. I don't mind being mocked. I don't mind. I don't, I, I don't, I don't mind being, I don't mind, I don't, I don't mind being, we don't mind being mocked, Mom. We don't mind being cursed. We don't mind being scorned by this world. The bride doesn't mind being separate from the world. The bride doesn't mind the vow of purity. The bride does not mind the, the, does not mind the complete sacrifice of coming out from among the world and being separate. The man of God, the servant of the Father, Yeshua, Messiah, Jesus Christ, he came bringing a promise and a commitment and a covenant. The mystery, the mystique, the intrigue, the glory, the riches, the suspense of eternal life, the pleasures forevermore, heaven itself, glory and honor and immortality. You know, ladies, just before you get married, all that stuff you dream of, I know it's lost on the world today, but we can't have it lost in the church. We can't have it lost on us, what Jesus Christ has come to actually offer us today. We can't have it lost on us. That is why every time we come into the building, I am beseeching you by the mercies of God that we come in thankful, that we come in grateful, that we come in praising, that we come in worshiping. He is King of kings. He is Lord of lords. There's none like him. He's the first and the last. He's the Alpha, the Omega. I am still in awe thinking about what is yet ahead of us. I am still in awe. Is there some unknown ahead of us? Yes, there is, but not unknown to God. I don't have to have an agenda. He's got one. Oh, my, my, my. I don't have to have a plan. He's got one. All I got to do is plug into his plan. If the Lord could lay out all of the creation from beginning to the end and do it perfectly and say it's all good, do we think that he can't unfold the author and the finisher of the book he wrote for our life? That he that began a good work in us won't be able to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ? But behold, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They are not thoughts of evil, but thoughts of peace to bring about your expected end. To bring about your expected end. I'm in awe of this birthright. I'm in awe of this birthright. But all of that promise, all that blessing, all of those, all that mystique, all of those, all that wondering, all that awe, it hangs on a thing that's called covenant conditions. We must repent and believe the gospel. We must repent and be converted. We must repent and be baptized. We must have obedience. We must forsake all others. We must believe for what we cannot yet see. This woman who said, this woman, excuse me, would someday be the mother of two boys. She understood sacrifice. She understood total commitment. She knew how vital it was for the birthright not to be mixed. Rebecca had no time for those who can't forsake a bowl of soup or who have no control over immediate gratification. Wow. Jesus said, oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Jesus, your mother and your brother, you're, you're, they're outside. They want to talk to you. And Jesus said, 
Who is my mother? Who is my brother? Except he that does the will of my father. Rebecca may have had the spirit. Who is my son? Esau's gone his way. I, he sold it. He's mixed the birthright. He has forsaken it. He's, but oh, Jacob, I still got one right here who I see has a value for the birthright. He wants it. And who is my son? Ultimately, my son, my daughter is the one who does the will of God. Now, don't read into what I am saying. But I will tell you this. God only gave us temporary authority over our children. They're a blessing from him and a gift from him, but I only have temporary authority. Mom, as we bring this to a close today, let us be reminded that the inheritance, the blessing, is to open the eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith. The blessing, the blessing, the inheritance, it's an inheritance that's incorruptible, it's undefiled, that fades not away, reserved in heaven for our children. Oh, the soul, oh, the soul that she must have had that yearned for that boy and the one who held the birthright in his heart. And consider this, after this, she would never see him alive again. She would never see him alive again. But when he left, he knew his mother said, I will go. He knew his mother had told him, you go after that birthright with everything that you got. And he also knew his mother said, don't mix, don't mar the birthright with the world. She never saw him alive again. Mom, I know we've got some young, young ones. But if, your children, if you never see your children alive again, what have we given them to go out the door with? I'm here ministering by the, by the help of the Lord to our mothers to encourage us to be mothers of the birthright, not mothers of what the world calls valuable. Be a mother of the birthright. I finish with this. It's a matter of faith. The birthright in Scripture is only mentioned in connection with Jacob, Esau, and Joseph. I had to check that in my references two or three times. But it's only mentioned, it's only mentioned with Jacob, Esau, and Joseph. The genealogy remains what it is. Son of, son of, son of, son of, firstborn, firstborn, firstborn. The genealogy will be what it is, but the birthright is a matter of faith. Because not every firstborn one got the birthright. You see, there's a genealogy, it is what it is, but the birthright, according to Scripture, is a matter of faith. That's what Jacob teaches us. That's what Joseph teaches us. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of obedience, it's a matter of sacrifice, and it's a matter of desire. I have in this family, we have here in this church today. No, we don't. We're missing. Oh, yeah, we do have. We do have. We don't have the first two. They're going on to their reward with great-grandpa and grandpa Springer. But in the building today, there is six generations in our family of apostolics sitting in the building, the sixth generations in this building today. But I want to tell you something. The birthright son, the birthright's not a matter of genealogy. 
your children don't just get it because they're in this line. It's a matter of faith. What that means, I don't care if you have no, nobody in your family that was ever born of the Spirit, ever raised apostolic. That doesn't matter. The birthright is not a matter of genealogy. The birthright is a matter of faith. It doesn't just mean it's going to happen. Mom and dad, mom, I want, I want to encourage you. Don't let your children just be in a church and say, well, as long as they're there, I believe they need to be there. But while they're there, you need to encourage them. You know how you encourage them? They watch you. I'm following Jesus. They watch you say, I'm going after this birthright. It doesn't matter what comes our way. We're going to the house of the Lord. We're going to live for God. We're going to do it his way. And it's that mother that says, no, we're not going to mar it. No, we're not bringing that into the home. No, we're not going to allow that into our life. No, we're not going to allow that to happen in our life. It's not a matter of genealogy. It is a matter of faith. Stand with me. Stand with me. This is how we're going to end service today. Brother, I just need a piano player. Just give me somebody over here to... I don't know if you knew it or not, but the minute that the piano starts playing, the preacher gets better. Did you know that? So give me something good, man. If this falls flat, I'm going to blame it on you. See, you're already feeling it, aren't you? Well, music is designed by the Lord to, to help us. Music can help us usher into the presence of God. We can also use music to honor the enemy, too. But um, I want you to consider something here today, moms, before you leave this building. I know baked potatoes are in the oven and whatever else is going on or your, 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 your reservation at Denny's is waiting whatever it might be. But I want us to consider some things in Scripture. The birthright is a matter of faith. In Matthew 20, there was a mother of Zebedee's children, that's James and John, the sons of thunder. Her mama came, their mama came and asked, Jesus? He said, what would you like? I want my son's I want you to grant that my two sons, James and John, sit one on your right hand and one on your left in your kingdom. He says, well, you don't know what you're asking. He said, are you able to drink of the cup that I'm going to drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? And they said, we're able. And he said to them, you will drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with because the servants are not greater than the master." If they hated the master, if they came after the master, they're going to come after the servants as well. He said, but to sit on my right hand and my left is not mine to give. It's only to those who is prepared of my father. Now, the other ten, when they heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren because, you know, in the world's way it goes, if you have somebody sitting on the right and the left hand, then there's no else for them to sit. The only place for them to sit is the right and the left hand of John in the right and left hand of James. And then from there, you can only sit on the right and left hand of whoever's sitting on the right and left hand of there. You see how it works. According to the way that it goes that way, there's only... So they got upset about that. Said, wait, who are you? But notice that Jesus did not rebuke them for their request. He didn't rebuke them. And say, who in the world are you to lift yourself up to ask to sit that close to me in my kingdom? He didn't rebuke them. But what he did tell them is he told them the price of the right to be able to even be be even considered to sit there. There was a Shunammite woman. 
her son's life held, hung in the balance. And the Bible says in that Old Testament, when that prophet came, she just clung to the feet of the prophet and said, my son, my son's dying. My son needs a miracle. She didn't have no, she didn't have no birthright. How about that Syrophoenician woman whose daughter was full of the devils? And she came to Jesus and said, Jesus, I know you can do this, but my daughter's vexed with many devils. And he said, it's not, it's not me to give the children's bread to the dogs. And she said, yeah, true, master, but the dogs can eat of the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She had no lineage. She had no birthright. She had no royal blood. She had no right to the throne. She had nothing special. She was not religious. She did not have a daddy who was in the business. She didn't have any connection. Her only connection was a connection of faith in Jesus Christ. And she brought that request to the Lord. No lineage, no genealogy. All she had faith. Mom. I want to invite you to come and pray. I want to invite you to seek the Lord as, as it is at your leisure. But the birthright is available to you.